0: So as we continue on the series, and I want to welcome those online before I get started. Great to, even though I don't see you, I see you. Um, big prayer, big faith, right? And today I want to talk about how to hear God's voice, how to go about that. So big faith, big prayer is a profan- has a profound meaning to it, right? When we talk about how to hear God's voice, it should be the number one goal of a Christian. For me as a follower of Christ, one of the most non-negotiable parts of my life is my quiet time with God reading scripture, digging into God's word, has literally changed my life. And one of the themes throughout all of scripture, if you read it, is that all miracles proceeded from a struggle, or an impossible situation, or a problem, right? When everything seemed impossible without God's intervention, that's when people shifted and put their faith in the powerful God. And if there's any faith in this house today, can we just give a, a, a praise to Jesus Christ just to stir up some faith? And I wanted to personally share from a storm in my life that happened many years ago and how I was able to fight in prayer, right? Not to go into too many details, but for me, that was one of the most challenging parts of my life and how I was able to have the praise to pray for it, right, through it, and have the faith for it, to see it to the end, only through the life-changing power of Jesus Christ, right? And through him, all the broken places in my life were healed and restored, right? Through that storm, I built some habits. How many knows we know all the habits? How many of us will know we all have good habits and bad habits, right? So here's some good ones. You know, I was able to hear his voice clearly, it took time, but when we live in a world with so many voices, so many things, I think Pastor Steve spoke about it a couple of weeks ago, I think it was 6,000 times throughout the day that we are stimulated by marketing or anything. Those are external voices. It is important to discern and hear God's voice. So that's something that I was able to learn what that was. Also know that my only source of strength was in Jesus. How many times have we been in a storm and we feel like we have no strength and we are weak? The apostle Paul says, when I am weak, he is strong. What that teaches us is when we get to the end of ourselves, this is when Jesus can finally do his miracles. But one of the most important parts was the ability to quiet my soul, right? And look, iPhones, media, social media, all that stuff, it's made to stimulate you. So your soul gets used to being stimulated. It actually looks for it. It's like a drug, right? And it's important that through the storm, you're able to quiet your soul, right? So when the storms of life get even worse, it doesn't make a difference. And we live in a world where everything is pulling us in multiple directions, people, emotions, and life itself. I'm going to repeat it again. It is vital to not only learn how to hear, but discern the Father's voice in heaven, And how many of us know that we have a Father in heaven that is not only able but ready to restore all the broken and destroyed pieces in our life? If we seek his face daily, daily, and it can be any time of the day. Sometimes I get a question, Pastor Fur, I don't have no time at all. Find time. We find time. I don't care if it's five minutes for 50 minutes. Look, when I spend time, let me just give you a little bit of backdrop of my quiet time. It's not like it's, it is structured, but it's not like I'm doing five hours a day, right? It's the consistency of five minutes, sometimes 15 minutes, sometimes 15 minutes. If you do that every day, you do that for 20 years, that's going to add up, yeah. right? Then you're going to know the Father's love. You're going to know his voice, and you're going to know his will and his way, yeah. right? And we know that when we seek him through big prayer in big faith, that's when God's blessings are released. Those are the keys. But I want to turn to our Bible. So if you have your Bibles handy and if you're taking notes, this is the time to take notes. Turn to the Old Testament, the book of Habakkuk, chapter 2, verses 1 through 3. And this is going to give us a blueprint of how to hear God's voice. Verse 1, we'll read it off the screen. I will take my stand and my watch post and station myself on the tower and look out to see what he will say to me and what I will answer concerning my complaints. And the Lord answered me, write the vision, make it plain on tablets, so that he may run who reads it. For the vision awaits an appointed time. It hastens to the end. It will not lie. If it seems slow, wait for it. It will surely come. It will not delay. It will not delay. Can you put verse one back up? Just want to, Expand a little, a little bit. So right away, we see Habakkuk saying, I will take my stand at a watch post and station myself on a tower. So right away, we need to withdraw, right? He goes to, up to a tower. So think about the Empire State Building, the highest part, and he withdraws from everybody because it is in solitude that our soul finds peace and rest with God. And in a busy life, it's important to make that time. Again, if it's five minutes, trust me, if, it, if you start at five minutes, it will become 10 minutes it will become 20 minutes. Let the Holy Spirit guide you. Yeah, Amen. Good. But these next two points I want to focus on at the heart of this message. So point one Read can you guys put it on the screen? There you go. Read his word, study scripture. This is very important. Look for a voice, verse instead of a voice. Look for a verse instead of a voice. How many of us want to hear the audible voice of God? Right? right. It's like, well, I have people ask me, I want to hear God's voice. Read his word. I want to hear it audibly. Read it out loud. Just saying. Right? It's right there. This, there is a perfect thing on earth, and it is his word. It is the ultimate truth, right? And it's so important that when we are in storms, we hear his voice. So I'm going to, how many of us know that in storms you're going to get bumped? Right? So I'm going to use an analogy. I'm going to be very careful because the production team got mad at me. So hold on a second. Now, what happened? Besides that, I hit the water bottle. What came out of it? Right, right? So whatever I hit, whatever was in it, will come out. And when we aren't in our storms, we can either respond the world's way or what the Word of God says. Because I can guarantee you one thing, you will get bumped. Bump your neighbor. Hopefully, everything, hopefully good stuff came out, right? Right? You're not going to be like, why are you bumping me? And I was like, thank you. Thank you for bumping me, right? So it's very important. We're not responsible by how we get bumped, but we are responsible by how we respond, right? So the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and you get bumped, self-control. Cool? And the last point, the first time using paper on stage. This is very important also. Write down what you hear from what you read. This is important because we're, you know, big prayer needs big faith because big faith always produces big prayer. Believe big, believe for the impossible to happen, right? Habakkuk says, write the vision, make it plain on tablets. He may run who reads it. And then verse three, it says, for still the vision awaits its appointed time. It hastens to the end, it will not lie. If it seems slow, wait for it. It will surely come. It will not delay. It will not delay. Some a little bit of subpoints. Journal. Another habit that I picked up in my quiet time and through the storm. Get a journal. Start writing down what you hear when you study the word. Break it down. Write down your prayers daily for what you're believing God for. Be specific on the details. Keep believing. Keep praying big faith-filled prayers. Thank him in advance for already answered prayers. The bigger the problem, the bigger the miracle. Write it down every day until it happens and pray it out loud. It's important because when you write it, it becomes physical. And when it becomes physical, you have a point of reference when God answers it. And if it's detailed, you can measure it. For example, thank you Lord for restoring my marriage. Thank you Lord for giving me a, a job making $151,000. Why 151? Because I want to make sure it's 151 to see if the Lord answers, right? Seriously, Thank you, Lord, for healing my, my wife of cancer. Thank you, Lord, for, for, for salvation in my home. Thank you, Lord, for millions of people coming to Christ. It's important to write things, things down. Because in the midst of the storm, when you don't see them happen, happening, you want a point of reference to remind you what you're believing for. Right? Because when you read this word, if you're going to give a praise give it to Jesus, come on. When you read this word, it's not a bunch of good people that got it right. It's a bunch of people that got it wrong, but believe in a God God faith filled God that made it all right, and that was through His Son Jesus Christ. So let me uh, welcome up, welcome up, welcome up, uh, Andrew. Do you guys receive the word? Yeah.
1: Thank you, Pastor Fernando. I want to thank all of the pastors for for just being there for us, for my family. I know what Pastor Anthony, Pastor Miriam, Pastor Katie, Pastor Fernando, what they're doing for this church and truly reaching everybody in this room. I want to honor you guys and also Pastor Magno. He's not here, but I want to honor him for sure. Can't believe you guys gave me a mic, but hopefully God can use me today. Amen. (laughs) All right. I want to talk about last Christmas a little bit. My wife and I were together last Christmas. Uh, we got married in January. Clap for that. Clap for that. Clap. Well, my sister gave us a gift last Christmas, and we were so excited to open it. And out came this donut maker. And we were so excited. We're like, donuts, yeah, we're going to have the best breakfasts. This is going to take our hospitality to the next level. We're going to invite people over on Saturdays, you know. And it's been seven months, and we haven't even looked at it, pulled it out, plugged it in, nothing. But we were so excited when we opened it up. How many of you know that 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 donut machine could have the potential to serve the greatest donuts in the whole world? And I don't even know what I have. And as I was cleaning up my kitchen and, like, reorganizing things, I saw it, and I was like, man, I I couldn't help but, you know, being the the spirit-led man I am, I couldn't help but think... Man, we have so many things in our lives that we don't make use of, that we don't, like, we have so many gifts, but also talents, that we, we don't even realize the potential of what we have. And here's the reality. If you are saved in here, you do have the Holy Spirit, which is a gift. And right now I'm going to talk about what it means to have the potential of the Holy Spirit realized in your life, and that is through Prayer. So the first step of recognizing the potential of the Holy Spirit is to acknowledge how much power the Holy Spirit can have in your life, and the next step is to take action in that. For many, of my, many years of my life, I didn't make good use of the Holy Spirit. Um, in college, I was a Christian, I read, but I didn't pray, I didn't exercise the, the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And when you begin to pray, you begin to learn, you begin to get closer with God, and that shows in, in the fruits as as Pastor Fernando was speaking, it shows in the fruits of of the Spirit. That's what it is, right? But my ten, my message title today is the potential power of prayer. Or if you're a father in here, it is donut discount <laughs> prayer. Like do not, but like donut, you know, because you, know, you get you guys get. So next service we'll get it. When I was reading Acts 1, I realized that in Acts 1, they talk about the upper room. There were 120 disciples that Jesus said, after I'm gone, go to the upper room, go to Jerusalem and pray. And there's 100, pray and wait for the Holy Spirit. And they're like, I don't know what the Holy Spirit is, but I'm going to go, I'm going to believe in Jesus, what he says is good. So 120 people, this just blows my mind, they all go. To this upper room, they pray for up to ten days, waiting for something that they didn't even understand, that they didn't know the benefits of, they didn't know what could do for their life. And if they can spend 10, ten days, at the end, they were they received the Holy Spirit, they were baptized in the Holy Spirit, and God started moving in their lives in new ways. But if they can pray for ten days that they for something that they don't understand, how can it be so hard for me to pray for thirty minutes every day for something that I see the evidence with every single Sunday on this stage? Why is it so hard? Yeah. I've seen the power of the Holy Spirit in my own life. Yeah. Why can't I believe for more? Yeah. I don't want to talk about receiving a gift in the same way God told me to pray for something I didn't think I needed. God told me, he was like, yo, listen up. <laughs> I want you to pray for a wife. And maybe, maybe some of you guys, I'm sure you're like, I'm single. I've been praying for, for my other for years now. But for me, I was comfortable single. I was like, yo, me and Paul, we're tight. Paul's like, stay single. You'll be happy. I was like, I am happy. You know. <laughs> but there are many things I didn't realize the benefits of in marriage, except for the most obvious benefits of marriage. Um, you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> but nonetheless, I felt I felt called to pray for a spouse and God showed me in so many new ways. How much closer I could get to him with somebody by my side that's holding me accountable, with somebody who inspires me to have such great faith on another level. You know, I, I put I have a 401k, I put money into savings. She was like, I've never had enough money to put into savings. You don't need that. I mean, of course she's, you know, she encourages me to be wise with money, but she's like Listen, you need another faith that you can trust God with literally everything. And that's challenged me so much to not have faith in myself, but faith in God's plans. And that is the potential power of prayer. I want to encourage you all to grow in believing in prayer because God knows that I've had to. And I have a challenge for you guys. Up on the screen, pray for the things that we don't fully understand the benefits of yet. Pray for the things we don't understand yet. For me, it was praying for a wife where I didn't understand it yet. For the disciples, 120 people, 10 days, crazy, still blows my mind. Praying for the Holy Spirit, something they didn't understand yet. But maybe for you, it is praying to have the desire and the willingness to serve here on a Sunday. Maybe it's it's a prayer to, to learn how to grow in generosity. That's a hard one. Maybe if you give and you serve and you're like, well, what about me? Maybe it's to have the self-control to drop things that don't honor God. Sheesh. That, that hits everybody. I know it does. I'm saying from experience that God can surprise you with what he can do, not what he can do in your own life, but also what he can do through your life. Man, in Acts 11, Peter, he's hanging out at his house. And he's visited by three strangers. And they say, hey, this guy Cornelius sent us to get you. And he's like, who's Cornelius? And they're like, oh, like he, he owns our house, whatever. He's the head of our family. But Peter, he just has three people show up. And you know, we're strangers. Come with us to visit this other stranger that you don't know. But he says the Holy Spirit told him to go, so he did. Without any question. It says without misgivings. That's Bible for without hesitation. <laughs> so he took a few guys with him because, you know, he had a target on his back. Because it's Peter, and he's Jesus' disciples. So he's wise. He takes people with him to go to a stranger's house that he doesn't know. He goes to the stranger's house, Cornelius says, Welcome. Peter says, Why am I here? Cornelius says, I don't even know. So Peter's like, Alright, in that case I'll tell you about Jesus. Cornelius was a man of prayer. He didn't he was a Gentile, so he didn't have all of the all of the Old Testament. He just believed that that God was real, that Jesus was real, but he didn't know. He didn't have the knowledge that all the Jews had. So when Peter spoke to him, spoke over his family, and he opened up in in faith, just speaking exactly what God told him to. In Acts 11, verses 17, uh, the the whole household was baptized by the Holy Spirit, of course, because that's what happens when Peter speaks. (laughs) In Acts 17, Peter says, if God gave them the same gift he gave us who believed, who was I to think that I could stand in God's way? Who was I to think that I could stand against the potential power of prayer? He makes use of this gift that's given to him, just like I had maybe not made use of my gift for so many years. Peter recognizes how much he can do and how much God can move through him because he's so close to God. Yeah. But here's a question. Is it possible that I'm standing in God's way when I don't recognize the potential power of prayer? Wow, that's good. So good. When you're walking in New York City and somebody gets in your way, nine out of ten times, they just, they're oblivious. They'll just walk and then they stop and they're like texting. And you're just like, like this is a sidewalk. You're supposed to keep moving. What are you doing? But they don't even realize that you're in your way. And I find like that's when we get in God's way, what if it's us not being close enough to hear him? What if it's us not exercising the gifts to inherit wisdom, to inherit knowledge? How can I not get in God's way? Man, that's one thing. Even Cornelius, if you think about Cornelius, he didn't know who he was calling. He stepped out in faith. He said, God, use me. I don't know who this man is, why he's coming here. (laughs) But he was close to God, and he he acted in faith. He recognized the potential power of prayer. And I want to leave you all with this before Anthony comes up and preaches that fire word. (laughs) The power of the living God is experienced in prayer. Don't leave it unused in your life. God knows I've let it unused in my life. Man, don't fail to realize that you have direct access to something that can change your life. First, acknowledge what you have. We have the Holy Spirit. We have the power. We have all of those fruits of the Spirit that come with it. And second, take action. Begin to pray. Begin to believe big. Begin to ask for things you don't quite understand yet. Thank you, guys.
2: got everybody out here trying to get married now just all sentimental let me just adjust myself sitting on that couch real low gotta use my whole core to sit up legs can barely touch the bottom feet dangling like Kevin Hart so feel better now any of you guys have a friend who never shows up on time Look at all y'all. Oh, it's you. Ah, ah. Every service, everyone's like, oh. And listen, if, if no one's pointing at you, guess what? It's you. You're the one that shows up late all the time. I, I have a friend of mine that, you know, we used to go out, probably was in college all the time. And um, I would, he would say, hey, what time are you uh, going to be ready? I'm like, like ah, 15, 20 minutes. Yeah, come pick me up. He was the driver. He liked to drive, so he would always come pick me up. 15, 20 minutes, honestly, I haven't even gotten out of bed yet didn't pick out my outfit, didn't shave, didn't take a shower, didn't do anything. This guy pulls in the driveway, beep, beep, beep. I'm still not ready yet. And I have the audacity to lean out the window. Hey, stop honking the horn. My mom's sleeping. I'll be making all this noise. And he's sitting there waiting for me to come out. But I would say to him time and time again, man, I'm always late, but you still come pick me up. And he's like, well, who else am I going to hang out with? So I guess for him, he, he didn't really have much of a choice. But one time he said, he's like, you know. You're late, but at least you show up. And, you know, when the roles were reversed and I would have to go pick him up and he started being late, I'm like, listen, you're a better friend than me. If you do this again, I will leave you and I will find someone else to hang out with. You're not going to have me sitting in your driveway for 30 minutes waiting for you while you iron your button down. It's just not, not going to happen. But, you know, there's a story in the Bible where there was someone who showed up, showed up late and his name is Jesus. And it's in John chapter 11. And there's these two sisters. Their names are are Martha and Mary. And at the time, time, Martha and Mary had a brother. His name was Lazarus. And they called for Jesus. They said, uh, hey, Jesus, Lazarus is sick, the one whom you love, somebody that you care about. He's sick. And we want you to come here because we know that you are the one that can help him. So they already knew Jesus's resume. They already had trust and confidence in him. They said, listen, Jesus, you're the one for the job. We need you to show up. He's sick. When Jesus finds out that they're calling for him, Jesus decides to say, I'm going to wait. He decides to talk to his friends and the other disciples. And he says, hey, before we go to Bethany, which is where they were located, let us go to Judea. Let us go to Jerusalem and let us go do something else. While These people have called us. This is the equivalent to calling 911 or calling your doctor and saying, hey, my child is sick or my brother is sick or a family member is sick. And they're like, okay, I'll be there when I can get there. And I think sometimes we read the Bible and because we know the outcome, sometimes you don't understand what those people were going through in that moment. And the emotions that they were going through are the same emotions that we go through each and every day. And when we have our experiences. So I imagine the Bible says that where Jesus was was about less than two miles from where Martha and Mary were. That's the equivalent of someone just hanging out in the stop and shop or the Target uh, parking lot over here while waiting for Jesus to come heal your family member. Could you imagine calling someone and saying, Jesus, I know you're the answer. I know you're the one. And someone says, hey, we saw Jesus. And they're like, great, is he coming? Nah, he's at Target. Could you imagine the level of disappointment that these women must have felt? The Bible says in the beginning of John that that Mary was the one who washed Jesus' feet with her hair. She had an adoration for this man. They had relationship with him. They knew what he was capable of. They knew that he was the answer, but the answer decided it would wait. And the Bible says that as as it goes on, that Jesus eventually shows up four days later. Four days. It's like getting a test result. And the doctor's like, yeah, it'll come back in four days. I'm like, if I knew it was going to be four days, I wouldn't have taken the test. The anxiety alone of having to wait four days to get the result, I'd rather just not know. They're waiting four days. Now, during this time, it's important to know that Lazarus went from being sick to being dead. Four days, he went from being sick to being dead. Imagine day one is Jesus coming. Day two is Jesus coming. Day three, imagine the, Well, imagine the people talking. Well, the God that you said you serve, you said he was going to come heal him. How come he didn't come? It doesn't say that explicitly in the Bible, but we can understand that as people, this is what happens in our world. We go in front of our family, we go in front of friends and we say, I know God's going to heal this situation. I know God's going to fix the situation. And the situation goes from being sick to being dead. And when Jesus finally shows up, Martha goes out to see Jesus. Mary does not. The one who had adoration for him decides I'm not going out there to see Jesus. He's not the one that I thought He was. How come he didn't do what he said that he would do? And the Bible says in John chapter 11, verses 21 through 22, that Martha goes out to Jesus, and she says, "If you had been here, my brother would not have died. Put in full responsibility of the failure of the situation on Jesus. Jesus, it's your fault. If you were here, this wouldn't have happened. If you came when I told you to, he wouldn't have died. This is your fault. But she continues in verse 22 and says, but even now, someone say, but even now. Say it louder. Someone say, but even now. But even now, I know Whatever you ask from God, God will give you. You see, Martha had a level of disappointment that she matched with a level of faith. She said, but even now, after all of this four days later, even now, I know that whatever it is that you ask God to do, he will do. Remember, Martha and Mary have no idea that Jesus actually is going to raise him from the dead. He's been there four days already. It's past the time of superstition when they thought that after three days, people can raise from the dead. It's the fourth day. The situation is done. They had no idea that's what he was going to do. But she said, but even now. And then after she says it, the Bible says that she goes and she goes and gets Martha. Sorry, Martha goes and gets Mary and says, the teacher is asking for you. Here's why that's important. Sometimes when we get in disappointing situations and we feel like God is not doing what it's supposed to do, it takes someone who's in our corner to say, I know you're disappointed right now, but let me tell you what God did for me. Let me tell you what my interaction with Jesus was like. And she went back and she told Mary, hey. The teacher's asking for you. It's about time you go get some Jesus time. And she goes out there and Mary goes to Jesus and she says the exact same thing. She says, if you were here, my brother wouldn't have died. That's how you know they're girls because they both say the same thing. You always know when a girl's been talking to her girlfriend because they both say the exact same thing. Oh, You, you, you must have been talking to Susie, huh? Both talking the same thing. She said, you ain't never on time. Mm -hmm, I know that. (laughs) It's important who you surround yourself with. Bible says that in Romans 10, faith comes by hearing. If you're hearing a lot of negative things, your faith is going to be built in negative things. If you're hearing positive things, and you have positive people around you despite disappointments. Your faith will rise to that level of disappointment. Regardless of what the circumstance and the situation says. Martha and Mary had to overcome disappointment. They had to overcome unmet expectations. They had to overcome anger. They had to believe that Jesus would heal him when he was sick. And now even worse, they have to believe that he would do something for Lazarus, even now that he was dead. The situation has gotten worse. And there's some of us sitting in this room that despite our faith in Jesus, despite where our hope and our confidence is, situations have gotten worse. Situations have not worked out the way that we expected, the way that we've prayed for them, the way that we wanted them to happen. It's not happened. And some of us have decided that we are going to be like Mary. And we've said, you know what? I still love Jesus. I still adore him. But when he shows up, I'm not going out to meet him. The disappointment inside of me is too strong. The man who was supposed to have all the answers, the one who, even if he was in Jerusalem and he was a far off way, he could have just spoken the word. He didn't even have to show up. They knew this. He didn't even have to show up. He could have just spoken it and he didn't. Why? Why is this situation happening the way that it's happening? Why is the faith that I have not producing what it's supposed to produce? Why is this situation unraveling the way that it is? You see, you could read that passage of scripture and a defeated spirit will tell you this, Jesus took too long. You know, the Bible says that he was only two miles away. Doesn't that feel like, Not that far, but even though he was close, yet Martha and Mary felt like he was so far away. Only two miles. Some of us could walk that. And by some, I mean some. (laughs) He told me to believe. I did, and he still didn't do it. What's the point now? A defeated spirit says, I heard he went to go do other things he must have prioritized other people before me. I see other people getting blessed. I see other people sharing testimonies. How come not me? But an overcoming spirit says, I know God has made me promises. And though it's taking some time and though it tarries, I'm gonna wait for it. Because there isn't anyone else who can deliver on this promise but God. And yes, Jesus took time to get there, And he got there late but he still showed up he still arrived on the scene when he could have just spoken the word he showed up specifically in the situation to give them a personal touch yes the situation got worse but as the situation got worse the Bible says that Jesus wept with them he showed up and he wept with them The man who knew he will and could fix the situation still personalized his response to the people that were going through the problem that they were going through. He will still be your comforter. He will still be the person that you can turn to. The amazing thing about him is that he knew he could do it, but he decided in that moment what was needed was compassion. What was needed was empathy. And the only way that he could do that is if he showed up. Yes, I wanted to give up and quit. Yes, the situation became messy and smelly. It came to the point where Jesus said, Roll away the stone. And Mary said, No, it's so stinky and smelly in there. Could you imagine getting to the point where Jesus was just about to do everything that we wanted him and asked him to do? And the disappointment is so much that we say, Never mind, I don't want to face this anymore. Because if you tell me you're gonna roll away the stone and you don't, that's gonna be it for me. And I wanna let you know that big faith overcomes. Big faith overcomes when we put our hope and we put our confidence in something greater than our circumstance. The Bible says now faith is confidence in what we hope for. If we put our faith or we put our hope and confidence in the circumstance, then there's no reason for us to need Jesus because we will just go like this. If it's a good situation, we feel good. If it's a bad situation, we feel bad. And you ever hear this? Well, that's just where the chips fall. But God has called us to so much more. He's called us to so much more than to just be disappointed and lay on the mat He's called us to so much more than to just feel discouraged when something doesn't go the way it's supposed to go because he's trying our faith. He wants us to continue to build hope and confidence in him that regardless of a circumstance, you can anchor and turn to him. There's some of us that are in here today that we may not know this person of Jesus. We may not know this man who took his time To show up to a situation, to a disappointed circumstance, and to raise somebody from the dead. You may be sitting here today and you say, I have so many disappointments in my life. Every time I try to do something, I try to get it right, I get it wrong. Or you may be saying, things bad always happen to me. You see, when you have that language, you're talking to yourself. What you're hearing, everything bad always happens to me. Nothing ever goes my way. What you're doing is you're building faith, but you're building it in that negativity. You're building it, oh, I've seen this story before. Oh, I've watched this movie before. I can run that script for you. And you may have walked in here today and you may be in the thick of the plot, but I wanna let you know that there's a man that his name is Jesus. And if you have not met him yet, I want you to know that you may feel delayed. You may feel like you should have Met him before, and you may want to know where has he been my entire life. I want to let you know that today is the day that you can meet him. Today is a day that disappointments can turn into triumphs. Today is a day where you feel like I've got nothing, I'm down and out. But I want to let you know that with Jesus, you can stand up, you can walk. He will, he will raise people from the dead. He will take a situation and a circumstance that had no way, he will make a way. He will tell you if you are the bottom now or you are the top. showed up late but he's still Jesus and for those of you that know Jesus you may be thinking man I know this man I've washed his feet I've served him and I still feel disappointed I want to let you know the same is true for you the message isn't any different for an unbeliever or someone who doesn't know Jesus than someone who does because he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And if he'll do it for someone who doesn't know Jesus, I'm telling you, he'll do it for you today. If you don't know Jesus, all, all heads bowed and eyes closed. I want to invite you to pray this prayer with me. I want to invite you to welcome Jesus into your heart and into your life. We're going to pray it together as a church. You may have never experienced the ability to put your hope or confidence in this man, Jesus, but I want you to know that he is able. I want you to know that even now, despite what you're going through, he will show up. Even now, if something feels terrible, even now, when you leave here, the circumstance may be untenable. Even now, I want you to know that he is here to meet your need. And the prayer goes like this. We all can pray together. Lord Jesus, I want to experience your mercy today. I believe that Jesus died on the cross to pay the price for my sins. I admit that I'm a sinner and that I'm in need of a savior. I'm inviting you to be mine right now. Come into my life. Forgive my sin. Live in me as my leader from now on. I believe you are a God who is rich in hope I place my faith in you today now if that's the first time that you've ever prayed that or that's the first time that someone has invited you I want you to know that the Bible says that when we pray he listens and he hears us I want you to know that what you've prayed is you've invited a partner with you along the journey a partner who can do more than any person that we know, a partner who can do more than any situation can help us through. And if that was your first time praying that, all heads bowed and eyes closed, if that was your first time praying that, I want want you to lift your hand on the count of three. If you're saying, God, I need you. God, you are my hope. God, there's nothing left. God, you have to be my confidence. I've got nowhere else to go. And I'm putting my faith and my life with you. If that was your first time, on three, one, two, three, lift your hands. I see that hand, I see that hand in the back, I see that hand, I see that hand in the back, I see that hand, I see that hand over here, I see that hand, thank you, Lord. Again, if this is your first time, God, I need you, on the count of three, God, I need you to come into my life and change my situation, one, two, three. Here's your opportunity, another chance. I see that hand, I see that hand, I see that hand, I see that hand again. Amen, amen. And one last prayer for those of us who know Jesus, for those of us who've gone through disappointment, for those of us who feel he's left us, I want you to know today he hasn't left you. I want you to know today that he's there for you. I want you to know that even in your storm, he is the one and the only one that you can rely on. And if not him, then who? Because if I was making bets, even if Jesus showed up late, I'm still taking my chances with him better than any circumstance or situation that anybody else can promise me. If you're going through a time of disappointment, I want to encourage you today. And I want to pray with you that even though you may leave this room, and even though that the circumstance may still be the same, And you may feel good leaving now, but when you go home, you're walking into a mess. What I want to pray for you is that even when you walk in, that the hope and confidence of God comes with you on Monday, on Tuesday, and on Wednesday. If that's you, lift your hand and let's pray. Go One, two, three, lift your hand. Father God, I come before you, and I thank you for all of these hands. I thank you for all of those who have put their hope and their trust in you. They're looking for you for confidence. I pray today that whatever circumstance they're going through, whatever situation they're going through, I pray today, God, that you will be there with them after they leave this place, that they will feel you with them after they leave this place. They may walk into a tough situation, but God, I pray that you will continue to break situations and you will break through situations and that they will have big faith and that they will overcome on Monday, on Tuesday, on Wednesday, as difficult as it is that they will turn to you and you will show them that even though sometimes that you may be delayed, you are always on time, you are always God, you are always Jesus and you and only you are the answer to their prayers. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen.